so far I'm the only one who's read Supreme number 63. Where is Andrew today? He sent a Twitter out a little bit ago saying that he was podcasting from Studio Z. Yeah, right. I believe he's getting nothing but static, getting nothing but static, static in my attic on Studio Z. <laughs> hey, uh, before I forget, I may have to step off the, the call um, for a few step moments. Step off, homie. My uh, tree guys are supposed to be here some t- some nebulous time this morning. So Your tree guys? Like Lord of the Rings tree guys? Yes. Yeah, tree beard's coming over. Nice. <laughs> He's gonna have a brew. Yeah, I've got some some uh, trees I need uh, taken care of, and I just don't know when they're coming. So. Oh, that's but, true. Aaron, hey, Aaron? Survived, Aaron survived Dallas apocalypse. Yeah, the the Holocaust. True. There's 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 two categories, Aaron. There's there's friends for life, and there's blood enemies, and I want nothing in between. <laughs> <laughs> live in a very black and white world, Tim. Basically, yeah. So yes. Blue Water is doing a J.R.R. Tolkien biology bi- – biology. <laughs> this is how Tolkien's are made. <laughs> you dissect an elf. This is what it looks like. When one Tolkien loves another Tolkien. Very much. <laughs> it's a ring in a volcano. <laughs> <laughs> again and again and again. Biography. <laughs> Comic. <laughs> A biology comic would be much more interesting. Paul's oh, no. still going to try to tell us actual information, despite our <laughs> mocking of him. <laughs> it's, it's, it's professionalism, Andrew. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not used to recognizing that on Saturday mornings. <laughs> Journalistic integrity, Paul's Ass. <laughs> Apparently we're beefing Diva, so I'm Beyonce and you can be Whitney. Apparently we have Tourette's today. So it's zombie Whitney, though. Exactly. <laughs> Beyonce versus Zombie Whitney. Why is that not something out there? Why can I not see this happen? MTV Deathmatch needs to come back. Well, I think Blue Water will make a comment. Time Lincoln versus Zombie Whitney. That's usually true. I just saw the movie fanboys. That movie sucked. (laughs) (laughs) Paul, you're kind of of harsh today. What's up with that? Maybe fanboys suck. It It was not great, but it didn't suck. Yeah, Paul. I disliked it. Defend your position. Paul. I just did. I disliked I it. Paul, I think Paul has made it pretty clear that he doesn't like like comic people. Fans. <laughs> <laughs> Generally, outside of this podcast, and even a few people within, I don't yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting right here, Paul. <laughs> now you picked me up from the airport. You're good. <laughs> now you're gonna get me in trouble with Aaron. Come on! <laughs> I'm an instigator. Is anybody gonna read Iron Muslim next week? Who's putting that out? <laughs> Boom! Boom! It's by uh, Rich Johnston from Bleeding Cool. Is it uh, a serious take or is it just mocking? I think it's mocking. Probably not then. Oh yeah, you'd get behind it if it were a serious book called. Uh, yeah, if they were gonna do like a real Muslim superhero, yeah, hell yeah, I'd read that. <laughs> Just to see what it's like. Is your cat dying in the background? Just thought I'd <laughs> put that out there. No, that's obnoxious cat. Obnoxious cat. That's his name. Obnoxious Henry, cat. Getting ready to try to mate with Wayne. I'm pretty sure if you call a cat obnoxious cat, they're going to live up to their reputation. I just call it cat. I don't name the cat. Oh my goodness. I hate you, Wade. I hate your friends. <laughs> I hate your face. <laughs> <laughs> I hate these rocks you make me eat. <laughs> Why would what? Wayne make his cat eat rocks? 
Because that's just the way Wayne rolls. <laughs> that's what I call cat food. It's, it's my wife's was, cat. It's not my I was cat. with you up until that last line, Paul. Well, you see, that's why the, the Kate hates that. Wayne. Because Wayne Kate. hates him rocks. The Kate. The Kate. Hates <laughs> Wayne. Did, did, did Wayne Middleton do something? Like yeah. Well, actually, I was going to go with the uh, John and Kate make eight. But oh. Kate Middleton works too, yeah. I'll guarantee you Kate Middleton hates Wayne. Daredevil 10.1, Aaron? Um, anybody else want to talk about it? I read it. I mean, I'm not sure what else we could say about it that we haven't already said about Daredevil. Yeah, I agree. I don't have anything pushing and pressing here. Yeah. Oh, it's a great book. Uh, all, the only different thing I would have to say is it's a good jumping on point. But, well, I don't know. All <laughs> I can say is it, it's a damn. It, for, it's the only point one book that actually does what it's supposed to do. Exactly. All right, I said it. You can keep that. Books with Aaron, Paul, Tim Wayne, and wait for it, Andrew. I'm Aaron. I'm Paul. This is Wayne. This is Tim. This is Andrew. Woo! So, Out of uh, caboose. So, uh, well, some someone's excited to be here this morning. Or well, we unfired him. Paul, Andrew, have y'all uh, reconciled your differences? Hey, listen, Zombie Whitney over there can say whatever she wants. We all know Beyonce over here is the queen of the show. <laughs> So in this scenario, Paul, you're Zombie Whitney. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah, yeah. I think he just called you a used crack hoe. I'm going to break character here for a minute. Okay. I'm going to break my Zombie Whitney character and just let all our listeners know that in the chat room right now where we keep our show notes, Wayne has pasted a link to uh, an article about China starring as the She-Hulk in a porn movie. It is such a scary, scary thing. She Hulk's supposed to be attractive, not. <laughs> oh no! Listen to yourself. Did someone really just say She Hulk is supposed to be attractive? She Hulk is hot. Yes. She Hulk's yeah. always drawn as attractive. She's on my my ten list, Paul. And you guys wonder why I hate fanboys. <laughs> <laughs> but Aaron, more importantly, who else is on your ten list? Well, Black Canary, and uh, Black Widow. Yeah. And. Uh, uh, Zatanna. Zatanna. Yeah, if, if there's yeah. fish nuts involved, I'm in there. Right. So, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Is, is there like a real person on there? I, these are real people, Paul. <laughs> Come on, Paul. God, put your, your head, head out of your ass. ass. Of course there is. Emma Frost. <laughs> is, it, is is Invisible Woman on there? Because just the idea of her being invisible the whole time. It's kind of hot. Yeah. yeah. I can't see oh. that. I can't see that way at all. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. You guys horrify me. <laughs> and I see, I'm kind of hoping for some kind of three-way with, you know, Savage, She-Hulk, and She-Hulk, you know, them making a little Aaron sandwich. Oh, yeah. Like a Christmas tree. Exactly. It'd be Aaron jelly by the time they're done. But delicious, <laughs> delicious jelly. Happy, no, happy Aaron jelly. <laughs> Speaking of jelly, uh, Tim, you went to uh, Jell-O Wrestling the other night, I hear. No, no. So, um, uh, I... Uh, friend of the podcast, Mikey Mason was was in town, this oh, yeah. and I uh, 
you know, I made plans with friends, and then friends backed out. Fuckers. And uh, so I went by myself, and I, I had a good time. Uh, he rocked it out like four miles from my house, so it was not much of a drive, and it was cool to hang out. That's fantastic. So did he do his uh, did he do his white trash number or did he do his uh, geek or did he do a a mixture of both? Uh, he stuck to white trash, which I don't know if that says something about where I live or not. <laughs> <laughs> Play to <the> audience. <laughs> so did he recognize you? Did you say, "Hey, it's me"? Too. Oh yeah, no, yeah, he went he went by. We had a we had a conversation, you know. I'm going like, to have- them today, so. Oh, really? He's like, I owe my career to being on your podcast. Did he say that? Yeah, he didn't, like, wane me, Paul. You know, he knew who I was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't think that should be a verb, but it, I only did it to Paul. I mean, I didn't... Waned me. I didn't snub you, Tim, and I didn't snub Aaron. Or Andrew. Paul. I was cold. He snubbed me, but I, I didn't expect him to know me, because we'd been podcasting for, like, two months at that point, so... I wasn't expecting to recognize me. I thought he'd recognize the guy he'd been podcasting with for like two years. That joke is over a year old now. Oh, my God. And it's still funny to me. <laughs> it is. And Fear the Con is in about 25 days. That's right. In 24 days, we're going to be telling them it's Paul to see if we can get backroom access. You know the problem, Paul. <laughs> you just – you don't let the Hispanic side of yourself out. I had no idea that you were Hispanic until I met you. It's something – you don't play up to that, it enough. snub. Yeah, you don't pull up to it enough, so that's why I didn't recognize you because you're not being true to your your Hispanic self. I hate all of you right now. Just want your father. I think that's what he just said. I hate all of you right now. Hey, (laughs) hey! All I know is that I love all of you, and I'm looking forward to hanging out with you guys at uh, Fear the Con. And you know, I posted my Squires of Gotham of uh, Squires of Gotham, my Squires of Rainsboro game last night. Oh, really? Yeah, I did. Already full. So no, we should probably. We should probably go to fear the boot or fearthecon.com. That's right. There's a Squires of Rainsboro, Ghosts of Rainsboro, and Rogues of Rainsboro game that you can participate in now. Uh, sign up for. Well, you can't participate in them now. You can participate in them in a month. <laughs> um, you know, I gotta say, I, I got I had a little uh, a moment on Facebook the other day. Uh oh. A uh, a listener of the show, some guy friend of me on Facebook. I'm like, who is this guy? Uh, and but I'm like, oh whatever, I'll accept it. Seems like a nice enough guy. He doesn't have any, like, dead animal pictures on his Facebook page. It's a good sign. And uh, he said, hey, are you guys doing an Avengers showing at Fear the Con? I'm sure a bunch of your friends would like to go see Avengers with you. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe we will. But I know it's going to be hard to organize since we have so much gaming that weekend. Tons of gaming. Tons of gaming. Well, Wayne, haven't you guys been talking about doing some uh, Avengers showing or something? Yeah, there's a thread about it where people are talking about it. It would definitely need to be Sunday night, though, because we did uh, Fear the Con 3, I think it cool. was. The we did Watchmen, Watchmen yeah. and it just – it was too rough. Yeah. You know, we, we, we all came in just exhausted the next day from doing it. Yeah, and as someone who was running a Saturday morning game, uh, I wasn't real happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> I really think um, what everyone can look forward to at Fear the Con 5 is your Funny Books host reenacting the movie. Perhaps uh, without even seeing it, they're just going to reenact the movie in, in person. I'm going to be Hammer. I'm going to be Black Widow. Tim's going to be Thor. Uh, let's see. I'm going to if Jonathan Landreth would be, was there, he'd be a great Tony Stark. Oh, we're reenacting yeah. Avengers. Okay, I thought we were going to reenact uh, Justice League a porn parody. 
I, I got my script all mixed up. I'll have to. <laughs> oh, I know Jonathan. I know Jonathan's playing Wonder Woman in that one. What you do with your <laughs> slots is your business, Wayne. Some of you, while we're recording, may be sitting down with your, you know, in your PJs, getting ready to watch some cartoons, and and I believe there's a new Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon, which I haven't seen, but I think someone on here has and would like to say something about. It. Um, I saw it. Anybody, any of you other guys see it? Yep, Wayne's I watched it. Both uh, there were two episodes. Yeah. Yeah, with great uh, what was it? Uh, with great power and great responsibility, something like that. See, uh, Tim's standard TV answer. Aaron. <laughs> Is it on ABC? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was surprised at how much I liked it. I thought the animation was fantastic. I, I liked the writing. I liked the story. It was. It was I, thought, I thought the uh, that was a, a real uh, hit for uh, Marvel. I, I just I, I thought it was fantastic. I don't know. I mean, the writing wasn't bad. The animation was really good, but I'm kind of iffy on it. I I see the direction they're going, and it kind of worries me. Why? A, a whole team of teenage heroes that are working for Shield and now have to go to the same school as Peter, and they all know his secret identity. And oh, the hijinks that'll come from that! Oh, it's reminiscent I, of Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends. Exactly. I don't want to see that remade. Oh man, I, I I think I think it was real astute because you know they're introducing some characters that you know don't get a lot of play uh, in the mass media. Um, you know, it's like Nova's there and White Tiger. You know, and, and I was annoyed by the characters because it seemed like instead of picking the most interesting characters, they wanted to pick one that meets every every demographic. See, I just yeah. felt like they were trying to elevate some uh, B-level characters. I mean, like Luke Cage is in there. You know, teenage Luke Cage. You know? Really? Yeah. yeah. I know Iron Fist is in it. Yeah, the teenage Iron Fist, teenage Luke Cage, teenage White Tiger, teenage Nova. Wait, well, wait. Shouldn't teenage Iron Fist be training in the mystical city of Kun La or whatever? Well, he, he does that after school. You know, it's, he it's, magically it's, transported to, <laughs> to the Himalayas after school. Look, Short if you're going to apply some kind of, you know, logic or, you know, consistency, you're going to be unhappy here, Andrew. Well, sure. I have a question because I haven't seen this, but I, I had to have a friend, you know, Foul Sorcerer Scott off Twitter. Uh, he complains this show's way too emo. How, how do you address that complaint? I did not find it to be emo at all. OK. Um, what I what I found and it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this plays out over the life of the series. But you know, anytime something new comes on, Spider-Man stops the action and explains it to the to the to the viewer. Yes, and, and that's the one time I don't like the art. This suddenly goes super deformed while he's explaining things. And I really like those moments because it could be stupid. It could be just wildly uh, stupid. But I thought it was very well done, you know, and it, 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 you know, it almost like brings up a little, you know, data dossier, you know, uh, uh, which kind of actually reminds me of the Marvel heroic role playing game, you know, brings up some information about the character that he's talking about, um, which I think is kind of pointing towards the shield dossiers because the, the whole gist of this show is that he has uh, accepted Nick Fury's offer to, to train him to be a better hero and I would to say be an Andrew, ultimate spider Anybody who's who's whose handle is is fellow sorcerers and is a guy needs to defend himself to me. Let's just start right there. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, no, I, I rate say. I rate the show better than the old HBO 3D one that I thought was horrible, but MTV. not as good as spectacular. Yeah, MTV. 
Okay, so that was my first question, you know, whether it was as good as Spectacular. Um, my other question is, it seems, you know, they, there was an Ultimate Spider-Man premiere comic free yes. this week in comic stores. You can download it from Comixology free as well. And it looks like it's just screenshots from the first episode. It looks like they're trying hard to make it take place in the movie universe. Um, since they can't do that in the actual movies because of the rights issues, it seems to me like the comic tries to take place in the same movie universe as the Avengers movie. I don't know if that's the case. It's well, more – it's kind of like a version of the Ultimate Universe, well, which the movies are kind of a version of the Ultimate Universe. So, I mean, I could see that. I have a sense that it's in the same universe as uh, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. You know, huh. that – they feel like – those two feel like they're in the same world to me. Okay. Um, I, I don't know have that – Have we had Nick Fury over there? Yes. What? Which Nick Fury was it? Was it the uh, Samuel L. Jackson-looking one, or the... Yes. It was the Sam Jackson, Nick Fury. Yeah. Well, not only that, you know, in the preview issue, they show Agent Coulson yeah. as one of the ongoing characters. Yep. And I know he's specific to the movie universe. Well, and Agent Coulson is in Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, and he's in Ultimate Spider-Man. Oh, interesting. And same actor, voicing all three roles. Well, he plays it live in one. Right. He plays... You know, he... He uh, he is the character in the movies, and uh, he voices the character in Spider-Man and uh, uh, Avengers. So uh, what I'm hearing is give the show a shot. I liked it a lot. I'm really harsh on uh, Saturday morning TV, and I, I liked it an awful lot. I mean, there were there were things I liked. There were things I didn't like. It's definitely worth a shot. There are now two solid hours of uh, of superhero animated fun. Uh, each week, you know, you've got Avengers, you've got Spider-Man, you've got Green Lantern, you've got Young Justice. I mean, I, I think it's amazing the quality in the program that's available right now. Yeah, and I mean, I I'm not watching Green Lantern, but I love the others. Well, I got caught up on Green Lantern this weekend. Or Isn't it this great? Past weekend. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. It gets better with every episode. Yeah, sure does. Sure does. And, and, and like I said, the animation really works for it. I don't generally care for that type of animation, but it really works for the show. So I you know what a random about Oops, sorry. So I caught a random episode of uh, Superhero Squad the other day. I was flipping through the channels. I saw it coming up, and it was uh, Planet Hulk, so I just set it to record. Mm-hmm. I was surprised by how good that was for a kid's show. I, I mean, it's not something I would watch on a regular basis, but if I had a kid and I was watching it with them, I wouldn't be offended by it. Hmm. So, and how would you have gotten this kid? Would you have stolen this child? <laughs> <laughs> Is that how that would occur? If I was watching it with a stolen kid in my basement, <laughs> I wouldn't mind. Yeah, sometimes I wish I had kids just to uh, to justify watching some of the stuff I watch or to justify walking down the toy aisle and actually buying stuff instead of just looking and thinking. I wish I had that when I was a kid. And to justify all those times you sit by the playground watching kids play. <laughs> <laughs> Stealing children is never right, right Wayne. I, I think what we're saying is funny books does not support the, the theory not, of children. Not the slightest. It's a federal crime. Uh. <sighs> oh, good times. But anyway, what I was going to say about Green Lantern is I think what I like most about it is that it's not a superhero show. It's like a science fiction cartoon. You know, they, they, they he doesn't like save it, it doesn't feel yeah. like a regular like what I you know he's not saving you know people on planet Earth from intergalactic threats. It's all like going to different planets, meeting new races. Yep. It's like a Star Trek cartoon. It really is. I, I I really like it, and that's that's a large reason of why I like it. 
Yeah, it's really well done. It's a, it's a different path than I'm I'm surprised they took that path with it, considering the comics are not going down that way. Yeah. Um, but I enjoy the hell out of it. Highly recommend that one. But you know what I don't. You know what I'm having issues with lately? What's that, Paul? I'm having issues with my digital comics. How so? Whoa, whoa, slow down there, Chief. What do you mean? I know. Well, last week, Comixology had a, a big sale, 99 cents for every issue of Lock and Key. Yes. So I've, I've already got the first four volumes in hardcover. But I was waiting for the fifth volume to be collected in hardcover because they read really well collected. But I'm like, you know, for five bucks, I can get all five issues <laughs> uh, that are out of the current volume, which is Clockworks. The sixth issue isn't out yet, but I'm like, I can get, you know, for five bucks, I can get the first all five issues and just read them digitally. So, you know, I got impatient. I went ahead and bought them out of five issues. Uh, and I also bought a special called Lock and Key Guide to the Known Keys, which is a special one shot. So I bought six comics. Out of six comics I purchased, one of them works. What do you mean? On what? my Kindle. On my Kindle. Every time I open the files on my Kindle, they don't work. It crashes Comixology on my Kindle. They I, they work on my iPhone, but they crash Comixology now, on my Kindle. Now, is that an actual Comixology app for the Kindle, or have, do you have some special work on your uh, Kindle for that? No, no. It's a, an actual Comixology app for my okay. Kindle. Um, and it crashes. It, every time I try to open the file, it says Comixology is closing unexpectedly, you know, and so I have to close the program. So I had to read those comics on my iPhone, which, you know, don't get me wrong. It's not a horrible reading experience. Yeah, but it's not but, like reading it on your on your no, pad. Right, exactly. No, I mean, it's, yeah. you know, so I, I guess I have to write to Comixology and see what's up. But it, it was very annoying to me. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like you're something they're doing. It sounds like the Comixology app for your Kindle needs to be updated yeah. and patched in some way because yeah. there obviously some sort of conflicts occurring. I uh, think yeah. it sounds like God's penance for you reading <laughs> digital comics, Paul. That's, that's well, maybe. Well, well and there's, there's you know, so I have some other issues, right? Marvel doesn't have an app available for the Kindle. And is that because they're beefing with Amazon? Yes. Yeah. You know, and so, and now DC has their own app. Uh-huh. For the Kindle? For the, well, it, it it's not available on the Kindle Fire yet, uh. but it is available on iTunes or whatever, you know, right. the app store for the iPhone. Right. So I downloaded both the Marvel and DC apps for my iPhone, and I have a working version of the Marvel app on my Kindle Fire. Um, so I could, you know, so I was able to read Avengers versus X-Men Infinite, which we'll get into here in a bit. Um, but it, it's frustrating because, you know, the Marvel and DC apps, all they are is comiXology. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, That's I why I it. refuse to get the Marvel or DC app. I don't want three apps that do the same thing when I can just do the comiXology app. But, you yeah, know, it actually frustra- pisses me off that they have separate apps when there's no reason for it. Well, and what's but, frustrating about that is when you buy your Marvel comic and it's got a free digital copy with it, it requires you to download it to the Marvel app. Correct. Yeah, and that's, that's why I haven't cashed in any of my free copies because I don't want the extra app on my Nook. Yeah. I, you know, I've got the comiXology app. I'm happy with it. I don't want another app that does the exact same thing no it's frustrating when you're trying to remember where you've got certain series you know and so like i when i uh, was gifted a copy of astonishing x-men uh by greg pack name dropping um it it (laughs) gifted out to comiXology so i've got that that first issue of that story arc there but when i picked up the subsequent issues in that story arc marvel was only offering those titles through its app they were not yet at that time available through comiXology yeah, well, and and they're and they're still not. You know, DC Comics when you when you get the digital copy through DC Comics, 
which they are charging extra for, you know, you get it through Comixology. I mean, it works in the DC Comics app, and it works in the Comixology app. For Marvel, it just works in the Marvel app, which, again, is not regularly available on the Kindle Fire. Um, and so that's kind of frustrating. Well, what they're – I mean, it seems – because I, I tried out the Marvel app, and just like you guys said, it's redundant, so I took it right back off my, my iPad. But it, it seems like they realize the economic potential of uh, digital comics are trying to muscle their way into the marketplace uh, to compete with Comixology. Because, you know, Comixology is the, the go-to source. They've got you know everything. Image has its own app, but why would you need it? You have Comixology. The same for every other pretty much uh, but I mean, publisher. I mean, I agree with you, but Marvel, Marvel, the Marvel app says powered by Comixology. Right. So all it is is a Comixology specific to Marvel. Well, so I don't understand why it's only available for certain things. Well, I understand why Marvel wants its own app, but so that they can they can manage one hundred percent of the content space versus a little corner that they get on Comixology. Yeah. You know, I mean, I get that. You know, that when you load into the Marvel app, it's a it's a one hundred percent Marvel experience. But it sure would be nice as the consumer to have the option of moving my titles to another reader. Yeah. You know, because it, it does frustrate me. And now, you know, I, I'm rocking the 64 gig iPad, so I'm not really worried about space. But if I had an 8 gig, you know, iPad, I would be pretty concerned about that. Yeah, and especially when it's so easy to move That's it over to the other reader because they're hosted on those servers. Yeah. I mean, Marvel doesn't seem to host this stuff on their own servers. There's still. It, at least to me, it looks like it's still over on Comixology. Aaron, my iPad is sitting right here. Uh huh. Don't. And? It, it heard what you said about the 16 gig. Uh, the 8 gig, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, hurting its feelings. Make it feel small. Uh, tiny. We. Like it can't satisfy my needs. Well, it really. I mean, you know. I mean, certainly, if you're, you know, if your needs are small, you know, certainly. So, but I, you know. <laughs> Moving on from that, thanks. Uh, <laughs> Paul, it sounds like your your Comixology app is having an issue, and I think once it gets patched, it'll be fine. And I agree with you that Marvel and DC are redundant, don't need their own apps. Yeah. Or if, at least, as Aaron points out, it would be nice if there were some cross-pollination between the different apps, since they're all sure. coming from Comixology. Exactly. So, like, Tim the DC stuff works in all the DC apps and the Comixology app. It's really just Marvel that I'm complaining about. you know. And now they have another app. <laughs> the Marvel Augmented Reality app. Did you try what it? What is that? Did you try it? I didn't try it. It oh, comes it's cool. you, you can download it and you can basically use it to get behind the scenes features yeah. so, of your Avengers vs. X-Men so book. Take a look at uh, Avengers vs. X-Men number one, the cover of it. Yeah. And you'll see there's a little AR logo there. It's in a little red box sitting on top of the purchase includes free digital copy. So if you load the AR reader to your iPad or your iPhone or, or whatever you know uh, device, and you take a, a an image of the cover, it will then read back to you the trailer. So what this do, what this does is it plays the the trailer for AVX and really kind of you know gives you a little bit of animation, gives you some voiceover, uh, kind of tells you what the series is going to be about. It's pretty cool. Free app? Yeah, free app. Mm. I'm just envisioning pop-up videos for comics. Well, and I that may be where they're going with this because what it did, you know, you, you've got that, you know, big, tra- uh, you know, trade dress or you know, logo for AVX at the top, 
and that remained static on the screen while all the images below it began moving and and you know action sound effects that kind of thing it was kind of cool it was kind of cool what i don't understand is it seems like that would be something you would load into your comic reader i don't know why it needs to be a separate app other well, than and perhaps exactly. space and this week did bring us AVX round one, the current Marvel event. I think we all read it. Okay. Aaron? I, I, I got to first say that Avengers versus X-Men number one was a three ninety nine book. You know, if you bought the physical copy for okay. which you also got a digital copy for which you also got an additional digital copy of Marvel, uh, of infinite comics, uh, Marvel's, uh, Avengers versus X-Men special story. So you got, Two stories for three ninety nine, and, and I'm just stunned at the value. Aaron, ask what I thought about Infinite. What'd you think about Infinite? Holy shit! Yeah, yeah, it's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. Holy shit! Yeah, I, 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 I didn't. First, I, I have to say that I don't know if this was intentional on Marvel's part, but they didn't do a particularly good job uh, marketing the Infinite comics. Uh, yeah, I mean, I still I read the articles about it, and I still have no idea what Infinite Comics is. Well, you know, I, it's almost kind of like the marketing for John Carter, um, in that I, I don't think a lot of people knew what they were what, what to expect going in. God damn you! Uh, <laughs> 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 Everyone, take a shot. Um, <laughs> uh, but it was very much like that in that, you know, I, I didn't know what to expect. And so I got to the end of – because I read it digitally. I took my digital download code, put it on my iPad, and I read Avengers versus X-Men number one that way. And then I got to the page that said, you know, are you ready? I'm like, well, what the hell is this? You know, And so I immediately picked up my physical copy of AVX and saw that there was no additional story after what I had just finished reading in the iPad. But yet here is this additional digital feature coming up. And, I mean, I was blown away by Marvel Infinite Comics. Um, yep. It really it really shows what a digital platform can do for your comic experience uh, without becoming something like a motion comic. You and know? it was just gorgeous. So yeah. What, gorgeous. what is it? That's okay. what I still okay. haven't got out of any of it. So, first off, written by Mark Wade. Art so, illustrated. Yeah, Stuart Armona did a hell of a good job. And what it does is, you know, if you'll think back to Mark Wade's Luther comic, which was just a PDF, so, you know, you didn't have any guided view technology, but you got to see where he was kind of going with it, where, you know, it's a full panel space versus multiple panels on a page. So it was full panel artwork for, for, for the reader. And then it would bring up in a very, uh, 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 high energy kind of motion, you know, the colors and the narrative and, you know, maybe an additional piece of the panel. So you were really guided through the reading experience and it was just amazing. There's this one shot where Nova is fleeing from the Phoenix force. And so it's got Nova in the foreground and there's just kind of this blurred Phoenix force behind him. And, and as you're, you know, clicking along, different, you know, comments or, you know, narrative text is coming up. And then, you know, all of a sudden Nova is blurred in the foreground and in the background, the Phoenix force is just huge and crystal clear. And I mean, it, it's all very special effects driven, but wow, it was amazing. 
And yeah. I think it's just fantastic that they had Mark Wade do it, you know, with him launching his his new uh, digital space here soon. I just I thought it was terrific. I just thought it was terrific. Imagine a guided view times a hundred. Yeah. Because a guided view is basically just panel to the next panel to the next panel to the next panel, or you know, spaces from this panel to this panel. Whereas this is the panels are intent are created for the comic books. So you may get a word you may get a word balloon pop up at a time. That way, you know, you're you're guided to which you know, what things are said first. Or, you know, a thought balloon, that type of thing. Or, you know, to almost it, it it almost feels animated, but it's not a motion comic, and it's just it was really, yeah. really impressive, really well done. And you know, I, I think as far as comics created specifically for digital, you know, we were complaining about the Batman Beyond Justice League Beyond one that DC was doing, which essentially was just you cut the comic page in half, and we hated right. that. This is a comic that was created for digital and works extremely well for digital. Yeah, um, and it, and it's built for that landscape space on your on your pad. You know, it's like there's this one terrific page where you've got three panels on the page and you've got, you know, Captain America and he's kind of squinting, you know, looking over. And then there's another panel of Nova who's crashed to Earth, pulling himself out of the rubble. And then a uh, the third panel is Iron Man and Ms. Marvel. And so, you know, you can tell, you know, uh, Captain America's you know, thinking he's trying to figure out the situation when you click the next guided view. You know, Captain America's eyes open up so he's not squinting anymore, you know, and Nova has moved a little bit. And instead of having uh, Iron Man in the foreground on that third panel, it go, uh, you've got uh, Ms. Marvel in the foreground with uh, – I'm sorry, in the, uh, focused in the background with uh, Iron Man blurred in the foreground. And you can see the action over on her. So there's just all this energy on the page. It is just amazing. And so then on does the, when, it just expand the story that we got in it? Avengers yes. Yes. Yeah. It's almost it's, like it's a, a. Go ahead. Good. It's a. It's a basically a small prequel of what Nova's doing right before he shows up at the beginning of AVX One. And you know the art. We, we talked about how good the art is, but I also like to say Mark Wade's writing. Oh yeah. Because you know you see there's two things I, I wanted to point out. You see a lot of superheroes who fly through the cosmos at faster than light speeds, and they're just they do it effortlessly. So part of the story is inside Nova's head, and uh, I don't know all of his background. He is obviously somewhat new back doing the, the Nova thing. And he's talking about the difficulties of traveling at basically what he calls hyperspeed. It, it, and I just love him kind of laying out some of the, the physics yeah. behind it. Uh, you know, comic book physics, but still. Now, in terms of the story, I was a little confused about one thing, because I, what I couldn't figure out is if this is the Nova we know, you know, Richard Ryder. Um, or if it's a different Nova, because yeah. Richard Ryder has been a Nova for a good long time, and this guy was talking like he was kind of new to the gig. Well, I wasn't sure if he had died and come back or or what. Well, but and they also describe him in the in the you know Avengers vs X Men number one as being a member of the Nova Corps. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think it is the same Nova that we're used to. This yeah. guy, he looked younger on the page. Yeah. I kind of got the impression this is just someone that's. Taken up the mantle recently. That, kind of what I'm assuming as well, but until they clarify that, I'm, I'm just not particularly sure. Yeah. I, I, I think this whole Marvel Infinite Comics things is pretty freaking awesome. Um, here's where I, where I think I've gotten a little spoiled because I paid $3.99 for all of this goodness. You know, AVX number one, I really enjoyed it. Um, and then to get the, the Marvel Infinite Comics and the digital copy with AVX, um, you know, I, 
I know that this is going to drive prices up. I know that I, I, I shouldn't expect that I'm always going to get a free copy of Marvel Infinite Comics with my uh, with my no. three ninety nine purchases. No, no. Well, no. and unfortunately, I'm going to have to disagree with you about something here. Well, fuck you. Yeah, I mean, no. besides that, okay. Paul, yes, I'm having a good morning. <laughs> no, because I, I enjoyed the hell out of Infinite Comics. Avengers vs. X-Men number one itself, though, mm-hmm. I felt was far inferior to the story I got in Infinite Comics. I, I don't, and maybe it's just because it feels like I've already read half the book. Well, I think that's exactly why. Through previews and all yeah. that. I mean, it it felt like nothing really happened. Well, I, I think that, I, you know, Marvel has previewed the last half of AVX for the last, what, two months. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so you really got to see the big confrontation on the island, which is supposed to be pretty dramatic. Um, and it has no punch to it because you've already read it. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to fault this book because of their marketing practices. Um, I enjoyed this book as a whole. I'm excited about the series. Yeah. You know what I'm going to fault? I'm uh, waiting for it. Paul? I know it. Come on. Paul? Paul? The, the last the last big series was Fear Itself. Who who drew Fear Itself, Paul? Stuart Amona. And and he did a bang-up job, a Funny Books award-winning job, right? Correct. Who's the artist on AVX1? Not Stuart Amonin. <laughs> not Stuart Amonin. It's also John Romita funny, Jr. Also a Funny Books award-winning, but not for a good reason, John Romita Jr. Who, <laughs> I, I will give credit, it, do, he, it doesn't look like he's drawing like a retarded eight-year-old like he did in like the first like single pages of Avengers. But it's still bad. I don't like it. Oh, I like the art. Ugh! I had no problem at all. I, the, I like the art. Didn't art. bother me one little bit. I thought oh, the art was ser- the hell out of me. I thought it was serviceable. It certainly didn't bother me though. Oh, I can't. I, I'm out. If he's drawing all of them, I'm out. I can't, no, I can't he, deal with his art. There are three artists. He draws the first four, then there's someone else draws the second four, and then someone else draws the third four. I don't remember who the artists are. You but, see, Tim, uh, you only have to put up for it for another uh, twelve dollars. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> nope. You know, one of the things that struck me on the first page of AVX versus one is that they've got this little this little sheet. And it's got Avengers at the top, X-Men at the bottom. They've got 22 Avengers listed and all of six X-Men. It's like it's like did they get tired? You know, they did, they did all those Avengers and they're doing all these little insets for the X-Men. Did, did someone just get tired or bored or, or they decided ah, six is good enough? Well, the rest of the X-Men don't seem to want to be involved in it. I mean, I mean, well, but look at that front page. I mean, it, look at all those uh, mutants that showed up on the last page of AVX. I mean, you could throw Juggernaut out there. You could throw Gambit out there. You could throw Storm out there. You could throw Well, Angel they did because there. that Juggernaut's Colossus. No, I mean, there's two Juggernauts. There's Colossus, Juggernaut, and then there's – oh, is that – oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't notice that. I just thought they uh, had made him look kind of pasty, but you're right. They could throw Psylocke on there. They could throw uh, uh, Iceman, Rogue. There's a ton of people they could have added onto the X-Men side of that. So did any of your comic shops do anything special for Avengers vs. X-Men? Yes. I don't have a comic shop. Yes. Uh, my, my comic book shop, because uh, I, I, read, I read your tweet, Wayne. My comic book shop did the same thing, which was they had a Tuesday night uh, premiere party, which, you know, they had, you know, certain percent off of any – Avengers or X-Men graphic novels and stuff like that. Now, has your store chosen a side? Um, I asked him that. He said that there, it's a fairly split demographic as far as what what <laughs> money comes in. Uh huh. 
Um, but so if he's going to stay pull- neutral? He's going to pull he, a Switzerland? No, <laughs> he said if pushed, he was going to choose an Avengers side. Nice. So, I don't think my comic shop had anything. Yeah, my comic shop had the uh, the sales, like Tim was mentioning. They had a cake. They had, you know, they were making a big party out of it. I cake. didn't go because I was doing other things that night. But it was kind of interesting to me that this kickoff of a storyline was worthy of, you know, kickoff parties and selling things a day early. Because I haven't the seen them. Armita Jr. Yeah. I haven't seen that from a comic story. Well, ever. I've never seen a launch launch party like this. Oh, they did it for. Uh... Oh gosh, what was the last? They did one last year. Yeah, and I can't remember which one it was. It wasn't Fear itself. Was it Siege? Was it the New Fifty Two? It, it was the New Fifty Two. That's what it was. Thank you. So I'm gonna have to pick the Avenger side, just because I think Cyclops is a gigantic douche. Agreed. I don't see anything <laughs> redeeming about his character right now, and I felt that way about Cyclops for a while. This well, especially is... with him and Hope in the early pages of this book, you're like, that guy should probably be arrested. Yeah, this is a clear cut to me, based on what we've seen from the story right now. The Avengers are in the right, Cyclops is the bad guy, and some of the rest of the X-Men should probably turn on Cyclops and have him locked up. Emma's just yeah. really – you know, it really strikes into because I'm like, why doesn't Emma step in here? Why doesn't she do something? They're like, oh, yeah, she's the White Queen. She She wouldn't care. Yeah, as powerful as Hope is, why doesn't Hope just say, screw you, I'm using my powers, you're a dick, I'm on my well, own? She, she kind of does. Well, I, I, I do agree with Paul after having read uh, issue one. I think the Phoenix Force is coming for Wanda. I really hope so. That is a twist I would love to see. I mean, we keep seeing Hope have this Phoenix you know, symbol around her, but she is tied into all these other mutants. I think they could easily find a way to explain why she's manifesting that, you know, the flaming bird without actually having her be the Phoenix. Yeah. If Wanda is the one with the Phoenix force in this, I will be so happy because they will have gone a, a direction I think is more interesting than hope having the Phoenix force. Well, well, well and we saw birds. her. That's what I gave this book to flaming birds. <laughs> let's be honest. If it comes down to killing Scarlet witch after everything she's done, you know, a lot more people are going to get on board with killing the Scarlet witch than they are going to be killing Hope. Well, not only that, I mean, we saw Hope manifest Cyclops' powers in AVX number zero. So, you know, she may not actually have the Phoenix Force. She may just be manifesting the powers. You know, know, it it, it is very possible that the Phoenix could be coming for somebody else. We'll see. I mean, I'm I'm on board for the story. Tim, I'm sorry that you didn't like the art, but hey, the next artist is, is Olivier Copiel and then Adam Kubert. Only $12 away, Olivia Copiel, just saying. I'll just uh, off. One, of the things, one of the things I liked was that, to me, a lot of times the hero-on-hero hero violence seems really contrived and forced. Like, if they'd stopped and exchanged three to four sentences, they could resolve their conflict without you know punching each other in the face. And so I really enjoyed that, that Captain America shows up, and he and Cyclops, you know, for what, one, two, three, four pages actually talk about it before violence actually sets in because they basically say you know, put their positions out there neither are going to move on it so sure enough violence violence comes in does shield have cloaking technology because where does that helicarrier come from your ass well they, they were hiding behind a cloud no <laughs> no 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 <laughs> well if you look at it it actually is appearing out of that so i'd say they do have 
cloaking technology because you see the clouds through some of the uh, the helicarrier. And yes. I wouldn't be surprised at all with Doctor Strange up there and Iron Man. Cloaking it shouldn't be difficult at all. Because you think Emma would have you know, told Cyclops, like, hey, gazillion heroes right above us. Yeah, because Cyclops really is being a dick throughout all of this. I mean, his interaction with Captain America, Captain America comes and tries to talk this out peacefully and tries to come up with something, offers a solution that Cyclops himself is doing with uh, Colossus's sister. You know, he has taken Ileana and locked her up because he feels that she is dangerous. Yep. How is this any different than that? Except because for it's, it's, the, it's the Avengers wanting to do something with hope. And they're not even saying lock her up. I mean, yeah. it's well. Well, two points here that I want to make. Um, yes, the helicarrier does have cloaking technology. If you look at the page towards the top right, it almost looks like it's <clears throat> unfading. Yeah, I see that now. Like it's solid on the bottom and kind of faded on the top. So I'm pretty sure that it, it was cloaked. Hopefully. Otherwise, we just have some art issues like Tim to complain about. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're probably right. Is Cyclops pointing at Cyclops? Uh, Cyclops pointing at Captain America. Where were you for us, for the mutants? Except now, when you need something, and all I can think of is, why didn't Cap say, "I was dead"? Do you not remember? <laughs> I was dead <laughs> when that happened. Uh, well, in one of my favorite moments, this is actually an infinite, was you know Nova's racing towards Earth to, to warn everybody. And he's thinking to himself about all the things he loves that he doesn't want to be destroyed. He's talking about his family, his friends. And then he gets to, what else do I love? And he comes up with a sports center. That's a good choice. Snickers, dubstep, and the World Series winning Cardinals. Oh! <laughs> oh! <clears throat> how'd your, uh, how'd your uh, basketball team do in the in March Madness. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sit quietly now. You're a horrible person. <laughs> well, you can't sit that quietly because I think we're about to talk about Amazing Spider-Man number 683. Let's talk about a good event book with good art. Amazing yeah. Spider-Man 683. Stefano Caselli. Stefano Caselli, rocking it hard. Yeah. He's, He's I love fire. this book so much. Art was good, but I like the art better in Avengers vs. X-Men. What? Eat a dick. Seriously? <laughs> so, I gotta disagree with Wayne on that. Yeah. Wayne uh, is I, wrong on every every level. So, <laughs> go ahead, Andrew. No, no, I was just gonna say where I thought the art on, on AVX was serviceable, I thought the, the art in AMS 683 was, was quite good. But but go on. Go on, Tim. I, 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 I stood up, and I, I was like, yes, at one point in this book. Was it page four? Uh, it it might have been page, yeah, page page four. Was it when, was it when Spider-Man punches someone? Al yes. Gore. <laughs> yes, that's what I guess. <laughs> yeah, I like that Stephen F. Hawking and Al Gore guest in this book. <laughs> I was sitting eating lunch and uh, I'm reading my comics. I get to like page four and Spider-Man just in the middle of a United Nations. Oh no, it's uh, in the middle of a G6. Wait, um, you, you better set this up. All Al right. Gore is like, with all due respect, what I see is a chance to end the greatest environmental, greatest threat our environment has ever faced, and I don't see any evidence to the contrary. And Spider-Man thinks about it for a second. He says, you done? Fine. Here's my rebuttal. And he punches Al Gore in the face. <laughs> Blood. Oh, yes. Oh, he goes down. And then my, my enjoyment of that went away a little bit when I flipped the page. 
Yeah. And you found that it was the chameleon. Yeah, because I really wanted to be the real Al Gore. <laughs> I could have waited a couple pages for that. I could have yeah. I could have reveled in that for at least two or three more pages. I loved Captain America's interaction with him after that. That was a risky plan, Avenger. How did you know? <laughs> he didn't ask him, did you know? He gives him a, how did you know? Which, you know, reading between the lines, it was really a, you did know that wasn't really him, right? You didn't just try to punch Al Gore, right? You know, I have to say that one of the coolest things in this book is Rhino with having uh, Jormungandr's fang as one of his horns as opposed oh, yeah. to you know, the, the standard rhinoceros horn. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. If we could just have that every time Rhino appears, that would be pretty freaking great. Well, and it's – I like how it's really – the Avengers and the Sinister Stick are really – Sinister Six are really the kind of the pawns of, event, of, of Spider-Man and Doc Ock because uh-huh. Doc Ock and Spider-Man are putting out – getting all these contingencies, building all these ways to deal with all the other opponents. And, you know, so Spider-Man's come up with various things to deal with Electro and, and Mysterio and the Chameleon. And Doc Ock has figured out all these little ways to deal with Thor and the Hulk and, and, and other people. And so there, it's like a battle of, of strategy where the actual tactics are really kind of secondary to the strategy the two the two brainiacs on the teams have already figured out. You know, and that's a good parody because that, that very much um, is what they did when it was uh, Dr. Octopus and MODOK, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, now, how, how I, cool I love it, that, but I don't know... Was this what they did with Doc Ock when they did that Gauntlet story recently? Because he's never been that level of strategist in any of the books I'd read before. I was surprised by how – basically how he had thought all of that out. They seem to be bringing him up to Doctor Doom level of strategy. Well, he, when, you're, when you're a he, brain he, in a bucket, you have a lot of free time on your hands. He, he's about to die. I think he's focusing, focusing in. But the I, look on Thor's face after the rhino hits him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as the, as the horn is poking through the other side of his chest. Yeah. For, it's the for same face pay. Aaron makes on Taco Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I've seen that face. <laughs> for the man who's just been impaled, he's awfully articulate. <laughs> yeah, what devil like, tree is this? <laughs> I also really uh, – there are several moments where you're just like, yeah, that's cool. Like, for instance, Thor sucks Electro up into his hammer. Yes. You know, and then releases him up into the atmosphere. I just, you know, and Electro's like, what, what, no! Yeah, even better than that for me was uh, Mysterio actually getting nailed by the net. Uh-huh. And that whole conversation where Hawkeye's assuming that he had his arrow just disintegrated, but Spider-Man sees through the illusions. Well, and I love when Sandman hits Captain America and he goes... The one proven way to stop Captain America, a cryopellet, I'm going to put you on ice, and he freezes him into a block of ice. Yeah, and he's like, you're good for a couple of decades there, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think it's interesting because we've never seen, at least I've never seen, the Avengers versus the Sinister Six. And I I love the Sinister Six. I've I've read a lot of Sinister Six storylines. This is the first time I've seen the Avengers battle the Sinister Six. I mean, as it turns out, they didn't do that hot. But, well, but that's, no, they that's spanked them. Yeah, it's kind of in keeping with their you know uh, recent performance, though, right? That's true. Sure. They do get their ass kicked a lot. Yeah, they've been. I'll be honest. They need to stop eating less pizza, playing less poker, and maybe training a little bit more. Yeah, they need to stop <laughs> sitting around that table talking about Veronica Hand. Ow. <laughs> Susie's right. It does feel like we should be eating something. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so I liked it. I, I think, you know, I wasn't here when you guys talked about 682, the first uh, part of the ends of the earth. But uh, I feel like two definitely got the action going, whereas the first issue was very much kind of a bit slower paced. I thought this this was fantastic from the first page to the last. Yeah, absolutely agree. I, I really enjoyed this book. So, uh, so Wayne, still, are you going to collect it even when uh, Umberto Ramos is the artist for the last half? Yeah, as long as the story keeps being good, I'm going to complain about the art through those, just like Tim's going to complain about the art on uh, Avengers vs. X-Men for the first four. That's oh, fair. Oh, you're not buying any more of it? I'm not buying any more anything that says John Romita Jr. Wow. wow. And I just don't get why there's that level of hate for that art. It's not like it's Umberto Ramos art or anything. Hey, Wayne, I don't understand the level of your hate for Umberto Ramos art. So. Oh, it's because he's bad. He doesn't understand anatomy, and he draws people with you know 90-degree angles and points, Dude, look- and – it doesn't look, look smooth, and it doesn't look super heroic, and it just is all now, around bad. Compare well, and contrast that with the marketing for John Carter. Oh, Jesus Christ, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe we should move on and talk about Wolverine the next. And speaking of bad art. Yeah, I was about to say, speaking God of art that Tim it. likes, dislikes. Who, 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 who's know, doing the art? Who's doing the art in that one? Well, Chris Bacolo. Okay, so Chris Bacolo did the first, the, first four, the first three issues, and they sucked. And then, I, I, Paul, do you remember who did the, the last – Four? Yeah, Nick Bradshaw. Nick Bradshaw did the last four, and it was a market improvement. It was fantastic. This is a mess. <laughs> there, I don't know what's going on. I can't tell. I don't know if Chris Bacolo did it, and the colorist is is having a stroke through the the whole book. I don't understand. <laughs> this book. All right. Awful. You should, Tim. You should send Chris Bacolo a, a tweet or an email and say, "Hey, do you smell toast?" <laughs> So I talk about you on the podcast. Pound sign raged him. So friend of the podcast, Chris Bacalo. Now, um, I got to be honest. You know, Chris Bacalo's art is definitely an acquired taste. Uh, Tim, it, Tim does not like it. I didn't. I, I I got what was going on. It's not my favorite art. I do like. I do think Nick Bradshaw did a pretty damn good job compared comparatively. Um, but I didn't mind the art as much as you did. Didn't mind the the, the scenes in space. It looked like an ink blot exploded, Paul. <laughs> uh, what? All right. So, well, let's talk about what happened to this issue. And Wolverine. Okay, in the let's talk about the good part, the writing. Yeah. Okay. So Wolverine in issue seven in in the last storyline, he took um, one of the other students. Choir. I don't remember the student's name. Yeah, choir. Yeah, Quentin Choir, and they went and you know they were out of money. So him and Quentin Quire basically went to an intergalactic casino Space to hustle them. Vegas. Yeah, Space Vegas to hustle them and get billions of dollars to keep the school going. And when that happened, basically Wolverine was – basically he got fucked up and he healed up the wrong way. He, he, he doesn't have the use of his legs. His legs healed up wrong because they had some type of special weapon that they used on them. So we have two storylines going on right now. Beast is going to rendezvous with Sword in space to to get the to to try to get the weapon. So basically, he can re-break Wolverine's legs and have them heal the right way. And while this is happening, the students of the academy go back to the casino to go basically storm the casino and get the weapon. Um, yeah, and that includes characters. Yeah, led by Angel, and uh, you know, Brew is in there. Genesis, who's the kid Apocalypse, is there, and um, 
and so you have these concurrent storylines going on. It's pretty much a done in one book. Uh, the, the 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 writing is fantastic. I, I don't yes. think you, we can disagree. I don't think we're going to disagree on that at all. No. You know, because in when in space, Beast basically battles Sabretooth um, uh-huh. in space, <laughs> and you know they they it, it's a pretty brutal fight. Lots of blood, lots of slashing and gashing, and guts flying and things like that. It's a lot of something. <laughs> yeah. If you can understand the art, I think there's a lot of guts flying around. Yeah, let's have, <laughs> let's have a darkened panel and then have Beast in the foreground, only super midnight blue, and then have it's like shrapnel, only it's supposed to be blood, but it's also like dark, dark. It, it's it's awful is what it is. It really the, is, Paul. And I love the writing on this book. As this book is I, – I, I dare say that it's been – the writing has been a little bit better than my other my other teenage superhero book. But I can't, I can't abide this art. I, I have to back off until we get. Well, now, Paul, back. what else has Chris Bacalo done that I may have read? Because I have, I haven't seen his art on Wolverine the X Men. What, what would I know him from? Chris Bacalo has done a bunch of stuff. He's been on Spider Man. He's been on X Men. Um, was he, he was the, on Death? Was he the, the High Cost of Living? Was he on Spider Man back before I started like around Grim Hunt when everybody was complaining about how bad the art was? No. Oh. Um, he wrote he 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 worked on Steampunk for Cliffhanger Comics. Um, he was on Captain America for a little bit. Generation X. Do you remember Generation X? I do. He was the artist on Generation X. He did all and, the Generation X stuff. Yeah. Huh. And Ghost Rider twenty ninety nine. Let's check that. I don't remember it being that bad. I'm, I'm gonna have to maybe dig into this a little bit. He was I, the I, artist on the New Age of Apocalypse book when they tried to do the, uh, the not not the current one, but the one they tried to do a couple years ago for the tenth anniversary. Okay. Those right. were really horrible books, but I don't remember the art, so the art may have been fine. It was just the I, writing and story that was bad on those. I, I will say that I think a good percentage of the of the fault lies lies in the coloring. Yeah, and the inking. The inking. There's definitely, you know, it's definitely hard. I, and I, I don't disagree with Tim. Some of it is definitely hard to follow. There's too many blotches on the page, um, and it, it definitely hurts it a little bit. I didn't mind it as much. I, I do think Chris Bacalo can be a good artist. I do think, in general, they do need a new artist. Because, you know, Nick Bradshaw wasn't bad, but he wasn't great either. I, I think this book does need a good, regular artist to match the story. It ne- i got to be honest. I think Umberto Ramos would be great on this book. Wayne's <laughs> not I reading would, it. I would, get, I would get on board with that. I like hey, Umberto I Ramos. I am fine with that. If he wants to do the art over there, I am all for that. Because I'm not reading it. I, I look at Umberto Ramos's art as being stylized uh, quite a bit. And by the way, uh, a lot of people's elbows are 90 degree angles when they bend them at the right angle. But um, <laughs> as are their knees. No, um, there's there's curves to them. They don't not, come to points like that. Some people do. Kate Moss's. I mean, have you seen have you seen people eat elbows in MMA? I mean, it slices them like a razor blade. Some people have these sharp, pointy elbows, man. And that's actually how they win a lot of fights is by throwing elbows from the clinch or, or from the mount position and cutting and up their guys was, so they can't continue. And that was our MMA minute. So Wolverine and the X-Men is going to continue on into the AVX uh, quagmire. Quagmire. I, I, well, they're know, both I, written by Jason Aaron. I, I, and, I, like I said, I like, like the writing. I, I don't think I can handle it. I don't think I can handle Bacal. 
Well, let's see. I'm I'm curious as to who the artist on the uh, the tie-in issues in because but the problem with Bacalo is that he he's not fast. Um, so he'll so need help from said, time to time. They said issue ten is Bacalo. Right. All right, issue nine is Bacalo as well. Yeah, so. it looks like Bacalo's on for the next couple of issues. Yep. I don't know, Paul. I'll flip I'll flip through it next month and I'll see if it's if it's at least uh, somewhat followable this one was not and speaking of book i can't follow anymore at least for at least for the time being avengers academy 28 came out uh it was the second part of the crossover with the crappy uh other superhero teen that doesn't get its own book so the runaways is that what they're called yeah so Correct. i tapped out but aaron and wayne uh chugged on <laughs> or um, did they uh, oh yeah i <laughs> I'm not leaving the book over a crossover with a team that I think is really good and has had some uh, very good series. I mean, I enjoyed – I really enjoyed the interaction between the two teams. I liked the book. I did think the ending of this issue was cheesy. It's basically the let's do a magic spell that lets everyone understand each other's you know, opinions and where they're coming from and what their motivations are. Sounds like an after-school movie. Yes, I mean it. I thought the the interactions early on were good. I love the interactions between the characters, and I like the uh, the choosing sides and how the students actually don't side with uh, you know with their teachers necessarily. I, I, but, I feel like Wayne and I read two different comics because the comic <laughs> I read uh, had Devil Dinosaur and Moon Boy in it, and Ooh. that's really all I was focused on. It did have Devil Dinosaur and Moon Boy. I, I love Devil Dinosaur. If I if every comic is improved by the presence of Devil Dinosaur. So you you're saying you didn't catch any of the uh, the lesbian relationship? I say, I seem to recall something about that. <laughs> I, I thought you might kiss, remember that. So too. I you know I'm, I'm, I I don't recall any kissing. So or or that their tops came off. So. <laughs> You know, I, I, maybe, maybe when that issue happens, it'll be a little bit more memorable. But I remember Moon Boy. And I remember, you know, there there was a lot of discussion about how uh, Moon Boy would regard the Avengers and, and the Academy students. And, uh, you know, Hank Pym said, you know, he'll probably think of us as gods. And Moon Boy actually thinks of them as mangy people or people with a bad case of mange, you know, because they have no hair. So. Yeah, I I did love the interaction of uh, hey I know this guy it's cool and then Devil Dinosaur eats him. I love Devil Dinosaur. So. No, I I hate to hear that Tim dropped off even for a couple issues because I I really do like the Runaways. I think it, they've had some great series in the past. I wish they'd have their own ongoing series instead of just mini series here and there and bringing them in on all the crossovers. I, but I, I will say that I'm ready for Avengers Academy to move beyond the navel gazing. It seems like that's all we've had for the last four or so issues is a lot of them, you know, thinking about their situation and talking about their feelings. And it's just a lot more emo than I care for. Well, and I also think the titles, it has done a better job of any other title with dealing with uh, tie ins. To the main events, I think mm-hmm. it even even the uh, Secret Invasion tie-ins were good, and the uh, the Fear itself was it was the only good Fear itself tie-ins. But I'm afraid now that it's going back into Avengers versus X Men next, it seems like this is a book that they're not letting continue on its own. It's got to right. be involved in every single it, crossover that happens. It feels like Thunderbolts. 
You know, it, yeah. it has that same feel like it's just being guided by the events as opposed to charting its own story. And, you know, while I think that that uh, the team has done a really good job of accommodating those events and making them feel worthwhile, um, I, I, I don't feel like this book has had much of a chance to breathe since Fear itself, other than all the nasal navel gazing it's done. And uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of tired of that. I mean, I yeah. like when a book takes a moment to think, but this has been I want to say four issues of this. And I'm just I'm just kind of done with that. The book has just been hit too hard by by the events. It's like they don't want to get into a major long term storyline because they know there's another event coming that they're going to take a part in. Yeah. I mean, the early storylines that we saw before Fear Itself, we're not seeing some of those in here. I mean, I still I love the book. I love yeah, no, the don't get me wrong. I, I love the, the interaction. I just wish it didn't have to tie in with every single crossover because I think the book is the book is continuing on. The book is good, but it's got this big chain tied to its leg that's holding it back. Yeah. It could be so much better. Yeah, I enjoyed issue 28. I thought it was a good book. I'm just I'm ready to move past this period. But hey, if you want to bring Devil Dinosaur back for another guest spot, I'm good with that too. So, Paul, I know there's a book that you deeply, deeply enjoyed this week. Yes. And that but, is Action Comics number eight. Tell us about that, Paul. Sell really? It. it was my book of the week. Really? Wow. That's yeah. really that's really saying something. So what was so wonderful about it? Well, you know, I um I loved putting it down <laughs> when it was over. <laughs> this book was incomprehensible. This is Grant Morrison at its absolute worst. So, so what you're saying is it was so bad, it gives you a greater appreciation for just being alive and not having to read it. <laughs> for, yeah. For having endured the experience. Well, when, Aaron I, says, when Aaron says Paul put it down, he didn't just put it on, put it on the coffee table. He took it around back and shot it. Hey, 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 and then Paul, set you it on want, fire. You, I was going to say, do you want to burn it live on air? I, I, I <laughs> might. You know, it, this book was quite possibly... You know, this was the conclusion. Action Comics number eight was the conclusion of the the first story arc that you know they took a two issue break from. So it was only a six issue story arc, and um, absolutely, positively, one of the worst Superman stories I've ever read in my life. And you know, we've read a lot of shitty Superman books. Um, I won't get Wayne started, but <laughs> you know, this book was terrible, absolutely terrible. Well, you know, and it, it, it was so bad. Storyline has been bad. Yeah, it was so bad it made freaking Grant Morrison's Return of Bruce Wayne seem good by comparison. That's how bad it was. Whoa. And the whole storyline has been bad. The storyline's been spoiled by other books. And to be honest, this type of story was kind of the story that was being told over in DC Universe Online Legends, the one that was based on the the MMO. And it did a better job of telling the Brainiac story than this. And it was a... You know, a miniseries based on a video game did a better job telling a Superman versus Brainiac story than this, than Action Comics. That's not right. That shouldn't happen. Yeah. I mean, I just I, – I, I could not – I cannot abide this book anymore. This is absolutely my last issue of Action Comics. And I'm sorry because, you know, Grant Morrison almost had me convinced that he was a decent writer with his Batman stuff, um, especially Batman and Robin. But and Batman Incorporated, but I just can't do this book anymore. This book there's is not even a good backup hard. in this one either. No, there's not. There is a there's some preview pages. There's a prologue to uh, I don't even know what, but 
there's nothing nothing at all in, at the end of it that would be good. I mean, not like any of that uh, the steel stuff that was so good that we were talking about recently. Not only that, the artist on this series has been Rags Morales, who has done good work in the past, right? I mean, I remember Infinite Crisis, I'm not Infin- uh, Identity Crisis, and he did good art in that book. Mm-hmm. But his art book in this book sucks. And not only does his art in this book suck, he can't even finish a single issue. He always has someone helping him. And you know, and you know that the artist in this, and it's always someone even worse than him. So when your artist sucks and can't finish a book, and your writing sucks, what do you have? Action Comics number eight and Supreme number sixty-three. So well, <laughs> no, that that can't be right, Paul, because you know you you don't have a good Superman book over in the DC universe, but maybe you'll have a good you know Image Comics Superman. Maybe Supreme is your savior. I wouldn't count on it. Mm. Yeah, I, uh, I I picked up uh, Supreme number 63. This is picking up from the original continuity from where they left off in issue 62 oh so many years ago. And wow, I couldn't finish it. Okay, so let's clarify here. Supreme number – so Alan Moore wrote a pretty lengthy run on Supreme. Uh-huh. And, a you know, good a, run at that. I, I really enjoyed run. the old Supreme books. But apparently Supreme number 62 was so delayed that in order to get the book out on time, they recycled previous panels of art you know, and put new word balloons and stuff on it. Now, years later, we're getting Supreme number 63, where Eric Larson has taken Alan Moore's final unproduced script and uh, put it to paper. And I never read Alan Moore's Supreme, but god damn, this book was – this book was worse than Action Comics number eight. Yeah, like I said, I, I couldn't finish it. I got – five pages in and i was like god this is ass and it wasn't the artwork i actually enjoy eric larson's style yeah um it was it was so dense with text um and i just didn't care about anything that they were talking about on the page you know and and maybe it would be different i read the earlier stories uh which i didn't i'm you know unlike uh wayne i have not read those books but wow i hated this a lot i was able to finish it but I'm a masochist. Uh, the only <laughs> thing, the the only thing I got the slightest bit of enjoyment out of was when uh, Supreme's girlfriend runs into his somewhat unhinged sister, Suprema. Don't get me started on the names. Um, no, this was bad. I mean, the villain was horrible. The the, the art was okay, but the dialogue was bad. The, the, like I in no way enjoyed the concept of the book. Uh, yeah. I, it was awful. Yeah, I've got nothing negative to say about Eric Larson. His art in the book is fine, and he was doing Alan Moore's last script. And if you read interviews with Eric Larson, he said it was probably the hardest book he's ever had to draw. He said the the script from Alan Moore was really, really hard to put to, to put to paper. Um, and it shows. The book is just not a good book. The art, I mean, the the, the storyline. And you know, there, there's considering Supreme has been off the books for so long. You think they would have tried a little harder to make it new reader friendly? This book is not at all no, new not reader at all. friendly. It, like I said, I, I, I could not care about what was going on in the book. You know, it was just ugh. It was bad, bad, bad. Yeah. I just, I, I hate now, it. I can't recommend it. I can't recommend running from it enough. And Wayne, you've not read this yet, right? Nope, haven't read it yet. Okay, you well, should have I, a double feature and read it with Action Comics number eight. I uh, 
I, I would be very curious to know what you think after you take a look at it with you having some of that supreme experience. Now, is this going to be ongoing? I see that they're promising next storming heaven. Yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, because Eric Larson's still doing Savage Dragon. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine it's probably going to be bi-monthly, maybe. I don't know. But yes, it will continue. All right. Should sales permit. But I have to say, so we had Avengers versus X-Men. We had Amazing Spider-Man 683. We had some decent books this week. But no book surprised me more than Danger Club number one from Image Comics. Um Basically, the premise of the book seems to be that Earth's mightiest hero, so imagine the Justice League, has gone off into space and has lost. I don't know if they're dead or they're just missing. The book doesn't really clarify. They just don't uh, come back. They just don't come back. And basically, the, the planet is left to their teen sidekicks. God uh, help us. Yes, who have turned against each other. And so you have a character who's essentially like a super boy um, who has gone power crazy and uh, the first issue features Kid Vigilante, who's like Robin, taking on Superboy. Um, and I don't remember the kid's name. I think it's the Olympian. Uh, Apollo. 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 Yeah, so it's Kid Vigilante versus Apollo. In a, and it's it's almost like a Dark Knight Returns issue four type of battle. You know, where it's like, you know, you almost like you, like you, it's a battle you would imagine between Batman and Superman. Uh, you know, because they, they fit these very these archetypes of Robin and Superboy very closely. Um, and I just I loved the hell out of this book. Now Andrew and Tim read it with me. What did you guys think of it? I thought it was unbelievable. I you know, it's like the Teen Titans book. It's like that teen book that I, I want to read. That's a little bit darker than things like Avengers Academy that I haven't gotten. It's it's I love the character. You know, these are all new characters, but I love Fearless, who's one of uh, Kid Vigilante's boys, always smoking a cigar and has an eye patch. He's probably. 14 uh there's kid uh was it, kid magician or something like that or the magician oh, yeah uh it's it's fantastic because these guys are just for their age they're so super they've been forced into this corner where they have to just be cutthroat and brutal and because the the adults who used to do that are, are all gone and they had to do something to stop apollo and his cult of personality this that was feeding his megalomania and it was it was great. I'm really looking forward to issue two. I I love this book. I, I'm gonna echo everything you guys said. It's a, it's a darker teenage superhero story. It's um it's not something we're getting anywhere else. The mm-hmm. the art was fantastic. I I loved everything about this book. Yeah, imagine it's the Dark Knight Returns of Teen Titans. I mean, well, that's essentially what it felt like to me. And they made me care about these brand new characters, which a lot of a lot of books don't do. Like Supreme, I know it's not a new book, but it was new to me because I never read any Supreme. I, I don't care about any of those characters. But with with Danger Club, they get me so invested in one issue and in this whole cast of characters, like five six people that I had never heard of before, and, and now I wonder what happens to them next. Yeah, you know, Kid Vigilante, you know, he takes on this superpower being. It's imagine Robin taking on Superboy in a fist fight. And, you know, he gets his ass handed to him, and then at one point he turns the fight around, and it's just like, yes! (laughs) You know, it was just like this kick-ass moment when Kid Vigilante turns the fight around. Yep. And, uh, you know, just the way the book ends. I don't know where they're going to go from here, but I'm I'm on board for the second issue. This first issue was fantastic. I mean, I think – I don't know what they're going to do the short term. I think the long-term plot line is – uh, you know, he points out because they basically have like this abandoned stadium that that Apollo, the last Olympia, has turned into like uh, the Coliseum for for blood games. 
amongst the different teen heroes. Uh, and so he, after Kid Vigilante whoops Apollo's ass, he's standing there looking at everybody, and he says, you know, three months. It only took three months after all the heroes disappeared, went into space, for us to, to devolve to this. But whatever's out there is coming here, and we have to be ready. And then he walks off. And yeah. I, I mean, that's I think is the big plot line is what what happened to the heroes and what's coming. Yeah, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of a little disappointed just in the fact that this Julius Caesar Superboy kind of idea and having like Rome only it being you know the teenage superheroes was I was like that is a really cool idea. Mm-hmm. And I hope that I hope they he, that. Uh, you know, Apollo is able to recreate that, if not on a smaller scale, just because I like that idea. I want to see that play out. Yeah, and it ends with Apollo getting hit by an orbital space laser. So, but he's Superboy-ish, so I don't know if that would actually destroy him. So, I'm curious to see if he uh, survives or not. So, uh, but yeah, I, I don't have it in front of me, but Paul, who's the creative team on this? You know, sadly enough, I don't have it in front of me either. I read it digitally. Um, but goddamn, whoever it is. Uh, and, okay, the story is by Landry Walker. The art by Eric Jones. Um, it came out this week from Image Comics, two ninety nine cover price. You know, it, it is, I mean, if you mix Watchmen, Young Justice, you know, Dark Knight Returns type feel, it's just, this book is straight up your alley. And the, uh, the art, the art is gorgeous. Yeah, and you know it, that, that that scene you were talking about with um, where Kid Vigilante essentially uses the watchtower <laughs> to, <laughs> to shoot a laser beam onto Apollo. Oh, oh, kicked ass. Because I originally read this through our uh, through issue through our preview copy from Image, and then after I read, that, I was like, oh, I gotta, I have to have this on my iPad. So I went out and actually turned around and bought it uh, as well. I, I mean. It, Definitely go out, pick it up. You will absolutely love this book. If if you like anything we've talked about, you know, with what it comes, you know, anything we've compared it to, totally up your alley. So Wayne, Aaron, you guys suck. Just putting that out there. Aaron, I bet Aaron would like this book if you read it. I, you know, I I, I started be. reading it, and I only I, I just didn't finish it. So what do you think about? And what do you think about the part you got through? I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. I you know I, I got through maybe the first five pages. Um, I just ran out of time, but no, I liked what I read and I will finish it and I can comment on it next week. And Wayne, weren't you a Teen Titans fan at one point? Yeah. I used to love the book. And I said, this, the story sounds interesting. I like the idea of the, all of the big superheroes went off and disappeared and everything just falls apart while they're gone. Yeah. Because you're basically having teenagers are the only people left on earth with powers. Well, teenagers and villains and everyone else is gone. (laughs) Oh my god, it's not going to end well. Uh, Alright, so what's what's coming out next week? I think we got Saga number two oh, next week. Very excited. Yep. Saga number two, Artifacts number 16. Or Saga. Or yeah. Saga. Or Saga. saga. <laughs> what else is coming out? Next so you, you, you guys aren't going to buy Mighty Thor 12.1, huh? Um, I, I, is Fraction on it? Yep, Fraction's on it. I will not be picking that up. I like myself too much to do that too much. That's right. Nice. That's who I am. <laughs> um, well, let's see. We've got Avenging Spider-Man number six, which is the first part of the uh, the crossover with Daredevil and Punisher. 
Hey, Marvel, if you could run a 99 cent Marvel Monday sale on a, a binging Spider-Man one through five, so I could pick those up on Monday and then uh, so I could buy number six at regular price on, on Wednesday, I would really appreciate it. Huh. Thank you. Uh-huh. I don't think that's going to happen. I would really appreciate it. Thank you. I, I'm still not interested in the older Avenging Spider-Mans, but if they want to do a sale on the older Daredevils, the uh, the first beginning of Mark Wade's run, I, I would be all about that. Well, you know, there is a Fathom two-day sale going on right now. You can pick up all the old issues of Fathom. Yeah, I have most of those in actual print. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so, but the the big one for me next week, the one I'm most curious about, is America's Got Powers number one, uh, which is the book that Brian Hitch left Marvel to do, uh, coming out from Image Comics. So, we'll see how that book looks. Ooh. All right, guys. Well, uh, you know, before we lose any more energy, I think we should wrap this bad boy up. <laughs> I raged out. <laughs> well, don't worry, Tim. I'm sure there will be some art for you to complain about next week. Well, I, I would imagine it's only it's only natural. Oh, one other thing. Uh, Superbia number two allegedly came out this past week, but uh, uh, you know, I know the first one sold out a ton. So keep your eyes open for it. It's available on Comicsology. I think we're gonna talk about it next week. Uh, but Superbia number two by uh, Grace Randolph. Uh, I think we all really enjoyed the first. Uh, oh, sorry, Grace Randolph. Uh, I think we all enjoyed the first issue. So so check out number two. That's true. Oh. And theater number five from friend of the podcast, Raven Gregory. Ooh, I like the the first four were good. Yeah, so the fifth issue is the only one, obviously, that I haven't read yet because it's not out yet. But it's the only one they didn't send us a preview copy of. How about that? And turn yeah, he likes doing that to us, giving us preview copies of issues like one through three or one through four, getting us all hooked on his writing. And then we have to go out and actually pay for the rest. It's a variation on the whole, uh, you know, first, first drug, free. Yeah, the first four free. <laughs> yeah, he, he did that to me on fly. I mean, I, you know, if he, if he would just, uh, you know, if he wouldn't cut his product so much, he'd only have to give us the first taste free. True. Just True. saying. And, and next week. Tim's first comicsology book. What? <gasps> dun dun dun. The future's coming. To be continued. Bye, everybody. See ya. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. 